This career is built off trust and the public has to trust us. And we show up and we walk into their house at all times of the day. They call us for any anything. If they don't trust that we're gonna show up and do the best we can do and do the right thing and go above and beyond, then who do they have to call? Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again for another edition of Code 3. You are listening to the show that gives you all the information you need in about 20 minutes. Let's get started. Your department has probably been described, at least informally, if not officially, as an all-hazards department. That usually means things like water rescue, hazmat, high-angle rescue, and so on. But over the years, and especially since the time of the late Chief Alan Brunacini, firefighters have been called on to take an even more challenging role, customer service. This may be a more familiar concept to some people than others, and some may even struggle with it. It may not relate strictly to firefighting. My guest here to discuss the value of customer service and what exactly that is has been on Code 3 before. Chad Costa is a battalion chief with the city of Petaluma, California Fire Department. He has two decades in the fire service, and he's worked in some pretty diverse situations, from a rural department to a city as well as for Cal Fire. Chad is the Technology and Communications Battalion Chief and Division Group Supervisor on California Interagency Team 5. And Chad Costa joins me now. Welcome back to Code 3. Right on, Scott. Thanks for having me. Good to have you again. So how do you define customer service as a function of the fire service? Customer service for me has been something that I've thought a lot about late in bed, many nights thinking about and and what is it? And and I really look at it from two different perspectives as my career has gone on and as I've promoted through the ranks. You know, for a long time I looked at it from a firefighter perspective, the person that's providing the service. And when people would ask me, you know, in interviews or just in conversation and we're talking about customer service and I'm looking at it from, again, the firefighter perspective or the person providing the service, I always thought of it as, you know, just going above and beyond those kind of cliche things that we hear about customer service. It's just doing what's right for Mrs. Smith. And when you have those situations, always trying to go above and beyond and just just making sure that you're doing everything you can you can for the constituents or the people that call for our help. And what's interesting is, is that as you get older in the fire service and as you promote into now a chief role, is I look at it from a different lens or a different perspective. And it isn't um, how do I provide that service as much as it is how do I get my agency to provide that service on a consistent day-to-day operation? How do I lead from the top and how do I get them to 
go on these calls that I'm no longer going on and always um, provide that upper, higher level, going above and beyond, um, doing the right thing, just making sure that they're taking care of the public. And I think we all define it the same way. It's this is our job. You know, we're here for the public. We're here to serve. And we all look at customer service in the same through the same lens. It's just changed quite a bit in my career as far as uh, is now I'm looking at it more as, you know, how do I make sure that my firefighters are going out every day and providing that service instead of me doing it, you know, which is was my focus throughout most of my career. Now, every so often, the news media will cover an incident where firefighters do something extra to help the victims of the incident, like getting them groceries or finishing a project around the house. Some firefighters may say that's unnecessary because it's not strictly part of the job. Why do you think it is part of the job? Yeah, hopefully I... No, no firefighter tells me that because that's, that's somebody that's been misguided, that doesn't understand this job, the core values of this job and what this job is built off of. You know, this, this, this career is built off trust and the public has to trust us. And we show up and we walk into their house at all times of the day. They call us for any, anything. If they don't trust that we're going to show up and do the best we can do and do the right thing and go above and beyond, then who do they have to call? We are in a lot of instances, you know, the only the only help that someone may have in that time of need. So I think to answer the question, it's important because it builds that trust. It shows that we are have an all-in culture. It shows that we're there for them and um, we're going to sacrifice whatever we have to sacrifice to do the right thing. And so it's unfortunate that someone would think that way, because ultimately, the constituents and the taxpayers are who pay for our paychecks. And it's absolutely important. How do we provide that service so it just becomes a culture of your organization to um, when those opportunities present themselves and your engine companies, or your ambulances are out there and they see an opportunity to help somebody by, you know, finishing mowing their lawn or, or finishing cooking their food or um, I could go on and on that it just becomes um, natural. It becomes a no-brainer. It becomes an action that they do without thought, and it's supported throughout the ranks of the organization. My favorite story to tell on this show is one where I was at a station where the guys were dispatched to a lift assist. When they arrived, they found out it was to help a woman get into a U-Haul truck so she could move. I asked one of the guys why they went on that run, and he said, Scott, if we don't do it, who will? That's so true, and, you know, I could go sit, you know, sit on this podcast and talk about all the things that I've witnessed or, or done or been a part of or what, you know, the, that I've seen or, or heard about. Uh, there's so many things, and quite frankly, all those things um, are for two reasons. One one is to, you know, we want to build that public's trust and we want to show them that we care and that we're there for them, but also, also because it's in the blood of, of fortunately most firefighters to, to, you know, help. It's, it's why we do this job. It, it's a satisfaction, no matter what that help is being able to walk away from that, that house and uh, knowing that you did something that maybe you didn't have to do. Um, 
maybe it wasn't a requirement or a policy or a procedure that you train on, but it was the right thing to do. And really looking at people, you really got to look at people as they're your own family, whether your grandma or your grandfather, your mom or your dad. Um, when you start looking at situations and you start looking at people as being, you know, one of your own, um, you naturally uh, make those decisions to, to, to go above and beyond. And uh, so it's not just about, that's what one thing I hate about customer service is when you ask a recruit or somebody in an interview, you know, what is customer service? They all have those great, you know, cliches and those great canned answers and they're all true and, and accurate. But the key is, is to figure out how, how to get there on a consistent basis, how to sustain that culture in your organization. And once you've done that, you're winning. And, and, and we know I can point out organizations that have, uh, that have done that and have made it there to where when new recruits come in, it just becomes part of the norm and they just fit right in and keep the train rolling down the track. Well, it's definitely a culture, but how do you train today's new recruits who may not come in with that attitude to get on board with the culture of service? I think uh, all recruits, anybody in, in, in anything that we're talking about uh, are, are just a reflection of the environment they're in. So, so what, what I would say is that, is that by surrounding them with informal and formal leaders that, that have that culture and have that buy-in, naturally they'll become a part of that and naturally they become a part of that culture. And so ultimately uh, as a chief officer, it's, it's important that we promote, that we consider those type of things when we're looking at our informal and then our formal leadership. Uh, it's important that we lead from the top, that we set, you know, an example showing that, hey, this is important. This is something that you got, you know, guys and gals need to need to get on board with and follow because this is the direction we're going in. And this is our organization and this level of service that we're going to provide. So it's not a class. It's not a, a book. It's it's most importantly to surround them by with people and a culture that that believe in it. How much of this customer service attitude comes from how someone is raised and how much can be learned as an adult? I think your background, how you're raised, and the culture of your, your family or you know whatever situation you were in prior to walking in the door of the firehouse um, absolutely can make a difference in your opinions and your actions. So I, I mean that and I say that based off of some people that I work with who, when we would go on runs, um, you know, would think of, would be the ones to say, Hey, we you know we really should, we really should uh, clean this up or we really should hang out a little bit longer and, and straighten out this living room. And, and those people, I believe for whatever reason, you know, had some of that culture and some of that, um, that passion driven into them prior to the fire service for whatever reason. I mean, I'm sure there's a million of them, but I do believe that it can be taught. I do believe that as I've moved across organizations, I've worked for seven different departments in my career in some way, shape or form. And I've seen a little different level of service. I would say customer service amongst all those, all of them being high, but definitely a different level between them. And it 100% came back to that culture came back to the leadership and how much the organization stressed the importance of it. So do I think it makes a difference when you walk through the door of what your background is? 
and what your education and experiences are, absolutely. But I, I firmly believe that it's stuff. It's something that can be taught. It's something that can be improved or adjusted and uh, and drilled into your membership. You know, throughout throughout their career. How do you look for this in the hiring procedure? You take a look at the combination of education, experience, the combination of, of the person's background. Um, we take all that into account. What you're looking for is someone who you're talking about an entry level is someone that's teachable, someone that has shown uh, a drive and a passion for the job through, through what they've accomplished, you know, on their resume. And ultimately, as long as you have that, um, you have somebody that's open and willing to, to listen and learn and be trainable. And I don't think there's any reason to think that that individual can't embrace that culture or whatever culture your organization instills. So for me, it's just kind of, it's just kind of looking at the whole picture and the whole package that someone presents. And the more of that package that they have, the more likely they are to become, to have that buy-in in the organization and become a, a member that's successful. What I'm thinking is that when you get to the question, whether it be at the front of the interview or later on, why do you want to be a firefighter? They're going to say something like, because I want to help people. But the question is, do they understand that helping people does not always mean putting water on a fire or using a hearse tool? It can mean more than that. And if it means more than that, are they coming in the door expecting to do those things? Scott, obviously, uh, I, I've came across a lot of people in my career that are getting into this service with a lot of different backgrounds and um, a lot of different agencies, a lot of different positions, uh, a lot of different cultures. I mean, that's what's so awesome about this service is we all have some kind of different background, whatever it is. Um, and ultimately what I look for, you know, is somebody that just doesn't give you those canned answers and really when they give you a, an answer. So if they do give you a canned answer, something like, you know, I just want to help people, you know, it's kind of what this article was, was based off of was not just saying, I want to help people. It's, I want to help people. This is why, and this is what I've done to, to set myself up to be able to help people. And that's, you know, I look at customer service from a different lens now, at least from a chief officer perspective. And I really believe that, you know, the people that are the most successful with providing the level of service and the most respected in this area that we're talking about are the ones that attack everything, that have that experience or, or seek the experience, that have the education, you know, that that really have put the effort into to, um, to bettering themselves and making them the best firefighter they can be. So what I'm saying is you mentioned, you know, it's not all about fighting fire. Well, it is too, you know, and customer service is about the level of service we provide when we show up and we're doing a rescue or, you know, we're putting out a fire or we're cutting somebody out of car. That's all a part of it. And, and I think, you know, we can't lose sight of the fact that it's not just about, not just about fighting fire. It's absolutely about the big picture, like you mentioned. But when you have somebody in front of you that's constantly providing that level of service, it's generally because they've been surrounded 
and they've bought into a culture that believes that their physical fitness, their abilities, their their knowledge, their skills, their certificates, their education, all that is important and it all gets put together into a package. And once you have all that package, you know, you start realizing that, like you said, what one or two percent of my job is fighting fire, you know, or or commanding incidents. There's a lot more to this. And you know, it's it's important. It's really important. Does using salvage covers count as customer service to you? Well, hundred percent. It's it's ironic you bring this up. Um, I literally, you know, I, I it's kind of caught me off guard when you even said that to think about it. But I was laying in bed last night and I was looking through some pictures of of things on my phone, just fire, you know, related pictures. And uh, there's a picture in there of a salvage cover over um, a bunch of contents that had been taken out of how uh, out of a house and a house during a wildland incident that had caught fire. But I think about what occurred in that picture, what occurred in that moment was firefighters, you know, basically realizing that they weren't going to be able to save a house, but what they could save was contents inside. And they did everything they could in about a 10 minute period to remove everything they could from the house, put it in the front yard and cover it with a cover so that, you know, I think about that family coming home. I wasn't there when they came home, but I think about them coming home and finding a pile of their stuff, you know, in the yard covered up and just, um, it makes me proud to be a part of that situation. It makes me proud to, to be a part of the fire service, to know that, you know, they took, these firefighters took the time to save some stuff, which they had to make a decision about what they brought out, which is a difficult decision. And obviously, you know, you're trying to do your best to think of what the family would want or what they'd want to be saved. So, so ultimately your question about salvage covers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we can rebuild houses, right, but we can't rebuild memories. And that's why we have those covers is to try to save as much as we can from getting wet um, and ruining. And uh, that's, that's a fire example, but yes, uh, a great example of, of customer service. I mean, you can walk into a house and see covers all over a bunch of stuff and you, you see the tears in the family's eyes because they realize, you know, you saved um, something that, you know, is a memory for them or their parents or their grandparents. And instead of just going in there and ripping down the walls and putting the fire out and leaving and destroying everything they had. So, so yeah, it's a great example of customer service. That seems like a good place to leave it, Chad Costa. Thanks for joining me today on Code 3. You got it. Thank you. What did you think of Chad's view of customer service? Does he go too far in expecting firefighters to do more than their official job description? You can leave your comments on our website at code3podcast.com slash service. Check it out. And please don't forget the easiest way to support this show is absolutely free. It's by telling someone you think might be interested to give it a listen. It could even start a conversation on customer service in the fire service. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall for that. (sighs) Alright, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orrin. Until then, stay safe. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.